Well, I'm going to do this uh, while we're kind of setting up here. I'm going to set the stage for some of you, uh, kind of uh, the way it plays into this message, to give you a little bit of a backstory of Life Church because it, it will fit. But we started about two years ago in January of, let me get out of the way of the pulpit there. We started in January of 2009. Uh, we started at a place called uh, Freedom Life Skills, the building there. Uh, Gary and Carter Lefebvre helped, uh, helped us meet there. I think the first meeting there was like 60 or 70 people, I guess, and uh, the way it came about was Pastor Arnie, who I mentioned earlier, had talked to me about birthing a church here. And, you know, as you, uh, many of you have heard me say time and again, I didn't have a clue about what I was doing. And, and I said in the first service, it's debatable if I still do. But it, through his mentorship, which has been invaluable, he started this work here. Uh, Hope and I, he's, he's helped groom us. And and so we started in the building there, then we moved to De Pere High School, and we were there for about six, uh, what was it, Hope, about three to six months, something like that. I think it was in March of 2009, and then, and then we moved here uh, in September, and, and this was the old SC Grand, and we were just meeting on Sundays, just paying rent for Sundays. And then through a strange twist of events, uh, some economic challenges faced the ownership group, and some of you have read that in the paper. Uh, it gave us the opportunity to lease this building for one year. And so we took control of the building and leased it for one year. Well, as it stands now, uh, we are currently just kind of renting month to month. And uh, Pastor Arnie has done an amazing job of, uh, he really has been the arms and the legs, the eyes and the heart and the guts of helping uh, Hope and I and our team locate the next step as we pray where God's taking us. And so part of the discussion was, is it going to be here? And uh, we, complete transparency, we tried to, to make an offer on the place and it was not successful partially because we did not feel that the price that was offered was up to what we wanted to pay. And so because of that, uh, that pretty much closed the door here. And so we began to look at other options because, you know, I mean, the church isn't a, just a building, but I think we'd all agree we need a building, you know, at some point. And so Long term, we were looking, and, uh, and uh, through an amazing turn of events, uh, Pastor Arnie was able to uh, come in contact with uh, a particular builder here in town. And uh, here's the cool part. I, wanna, I don't want to give it all away yet, but I want to show a video of what you're about to witness in the next six months. If we can put a photo up there. And this will be Life Church in the next six months. Sometimes it, uh, there it is. That's where we're headed. And we are looking at, uh, probably I want to, I want to be under, I want to, I don't want to oversell. I'm going to say September, we're going to be in a new building across town, right? When I say town, like literally throw a stone across 41 west of here, uh, over by the Humana area. You guys get a visual of this, a guy who is the builder, uh, pastor Arnie was able to talk to him and he is donating the land, donating it for us about an acre, acre and a half, give or take. And uh, as part of that, uh, Pastor Arnie was able to talk to banks, and he was able to procure a, a bank loan. And through that bank loan, which, by the way, for a two-year-old church is darn near impossible in this economy. I mean, the favor of God. And the fa Pastor Arnie got great favor from the Lord on that. And so that's been really his main call here, other than, you know, helping me grow as a pastor. But he, this was his main charge, and it was just an amazing week for him and, and Jan uh, to be able to procure this. And so... What will happen now is uh, we're proceeding forward because we got the financing, and uh, you'll hear more about the specs probably in the next three to five weeks in our Horizon Build series. 
Uh, I say all this to say that Arise and Build isn't just about a building. Arise and Build is about building the kingdom. Amen? Now, part of that process is getting a, a long-term location, which, by the way, I mean, we'll, we'll unveil more as we go, but Pastor Arnie helped uh, kind of design a, a little slide in there so when you bring your kids in, they can, like the bat cave, they can slide down a slide, go down into the dungeon of the basement, which would be ultra-techie. And, I mean, parents will be begging, I mean, their kids will be begging parents to go. And that's what we want, right? I mean, don't you want your kids dragging you to church? Hallelujah. I mean, that's a good thing. And so we have some cool stuff. And, you know, uh, kind of as we were envisioning it, we've looked at church concept designs. Uh, we're, we're kind of thinking across between Panera Bread, Starbucks, and Apple Computer with a really techie smile. You know, that's kind of, that's the vibe that we're going to have. Uh, but the sanctuary probably seat 2 to 250. Uh, we'll do multiple services. Right now, if you, like in this room right now, there's probably, I don't know, 150 or so chairs. Last last hour was pretty packed. This one's pretty close to being packed. What we're going to do is probably set up more chairs. We'll do multiple services. And the goal is, guys, is to, in this day and age to be fiscally responsible. I'm committed. Pastor Arnie's really helped me see this, to, to doing multiple services. I mean, I can preach five times in a weekend if I have to be a little tough on the pipes, but I'll do it, you know, in order to be debt free, uh, which is where we would want to get to pretty quick and also do ministry at a higher level than what we are doing now. And we're doing quite a bit. I mean, our giving outtake is pretty good. But my point is, is that we want to, we want to bless the community and we believe that this is the right approach. And so we're excited. Amen. It's pretty exciting. So uh, that's going to be unfold in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the price tag on it, by the way, with the donated land, we're looking at about $800,000. Now, that's a big house. I mean, if you think about it, that 12,000, 11,000 square feet, that's, 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 that's actually, if you do the, the math on that, we're paying more here to rent than we would to a uh, brand new building because of the donated land and, and all of that stuff. That's parking included, I might add. I see some more smiles here. You're like, man, that's a pretty good deal. And when you do the math, I think that's 80-something dollars a square foot. I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that... I'll get you math people to help me out with that. But uh, this is an exciting time for the church. And what the series that we're launching here, Arise and Build, kind of what was birthed with this, I mean, that's, that's some big news. But here's the other thing that I think is even bigger news, and it's something that God birthed on our heart about a, a week and a half ago. And I, I want to set the backstory. I was shopping in Walmart, and uh, that's where my wife dispatches me every Friday to go on a mission to get groceries, which are, it's unbelievable what I can stuff in a cart. But the reason she has me do that is because we have four children. And if you've ever gone shopping with four children in a cart, do the math, not much room left to put groceries in. So not to mention, it's unbelievably tough on my wife. So it's just part of being a good husband. Way to go, Ryan. So all that to say, I'm in Walmart, I'm shopping, and I've just got this thing in me. And I'm just like, oh, you know, Lord, what are you doing? You know, I just, I'm thinking this bird. I'm just thinking about the city. I'm thinking about the days and months ahead. And, and I'm like, it, some of you may have experienced this. Some of you may have not. The Bible talks about it being fire in the bones. But when you got to get something out, and it's like just birth right in here. And, you know, not that I threw it up, but I just, I needed to get it out. And so that night I'm praying, and I, I'm in my little HTC phone there and I just start speaking into it. I'm praying in the spirit and I just start speaking into it and the words just start coming. And, and when I say the word prophesying, it's literally I'm speaking into the phone and I don't look like a prophetic, you know, whatever. Okay. I mean, I'm, I don't do this every day, 
But God put this word in my heart. And I just started speaking it. I didn't question it. And I put it and I transcribed it. And so what the Lord challenged me to do, he said, if you keep that, you're not releasing it to the people. And so I needed to release that to the people. So do you want to hear that? So let's release it. So I'm going to put it up here. I'm going to read it. This is verbatim. And I always tell people when it comes to the prophetic stuff, you know what? If it doesn't bear witness with your spirit because it doesn't line up with the Bible, you toss it out. You understand what I'm saying? It has to line up with the word and it has to be, uh, it has to line up with the word. And, and I say that that doesn't mean that when I say bear witness with your spirit, I could be telling you absolute truth and you not like that. That's not what I'm talking about. Usually God will bring conviction on it, but this particular word is for the city. So here it is. I'm going to read it verbatim. It says, Wisconsin, as the clay was in the potter's hand in the book of Jeremiah, and Lord, as you began to shape the clay that was in the potter's hand, so Wisconsin you shall be in the hands of the potter who is reshaping you and reforming you to be the light that you were called to be. For many years you have been stagnant. You have been bogged down. You have been dull towards my face, towards my ear, towards my heart. Wisconsin, you are going to arise. You are going to be reformed as I remake you. I take the clay that was hardened, and I've put the rain on top of the clay, and I've softened you, and I will continue to soften you, and I will release you into a new place. I will take you to a new place in me. For a season, the clay will be hard, but it will be soft soon. As I reform it, it will not be an easy time for you, Wisconsin. It will be a tougher time. But understand that I am the Lord and that I will give you what you seek as you seek me in my face. I have heard your cries. I've heard the cries of your forefathers who have interceded on your behalf. And I will open up the windows of heaven and will pour out such a blessing. You will be an epicenter of faith and revival in this nation. You will be a beacon of light. And while for a season it may seem tougher, it may seem more difficult as you press through towards me, it may seem like it's tougher, it will seem like I'm more distant, understand that I am closer and I will bring you up out of the ashes. I will reform you into a beacon of light that will be a light to the rest of this nation. Green Bay, I have marked you. I have marked you for this time and this season. Your football team has won a title. Yes, you've been called Title Town. You've brought great glory and honor to the area. But understand that I give my glory to no one or to no team. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I, the Lord, am greater than any football team. I have marked you on the map. This is your time to be marked by men, but not for what you have done on the football field, but what I'm about to do in your borders, for what I'm about to do in your churches, and what I'm about to do in your city. Be expectant and be hopeful, for the time is coming for great revival. A time is coming where I'm going to pour out my spirit with signs and wonders following. But if the people of the land will let go of their idols, their Asherah poles, the things that are meaningless before me, I will give you peace. I will place in you a new heart. I will place in you a desire for me and the things of me. Yes, this will be a great revival. This will be a place that will shake the nation. The eyes of the world will be on Wisconsin, in particular, Green Bay. You will be marked by me. People will see you. I am stirring up the hearts of the pastors here to reclaim the broken walls. And I will restore what the locusts have eaten. For many, many years, your ears have been dull to me, but you will arise like the dry bones of Ezekiel. You will arise and you will become a great and mighty army. For me, I, the Lord, have spoken. That's the word. That's what came. I didn't add to it. I didn't subtract from it. I did take out the, the praying in the spirit part, and I did the uhs, and, the, and I sounded kind of dreary on the phone, but I have it. It's on my phone. I mean, I could let you guys listen to it, but that's what came to me, and I had to transcribe it. My wife's got one, too, <laughs> that came the next day, and I'm going to have her share it as well. 
But this is where we have to be. Um, and I asked the Lord, I said, okay, Asherah poles. I know that's an idol, but what are you trying to tell me there? So I began to research Asherah poles. Asherah poles back in the day, uh, when we talk about idols in the Bible, there was Baal and there was the Asherah poles. Uh, Asherah was a goddess that people worship. But the, what I found in my research on this was that those poles were in the temple two-thirds of the time. The Asherah idols were in the temple of Jerusalem two-thirds of the time. So I said, okay, Lord, what does that mean? It means mixture. It means empty, man-made, religious mixture. Idolatry and mixture. And what the church has done is that they've substituted the power, the relationship, the love, and the glory of Jesus Christ for a farce. For a farce. They've traded in the Shekinah glory, what, what, what the Old Testament would call the glory of the Lord, they traded it in for a substitute because they bought lies. Here's the truth. The Holy Spirit loves you and wants to move mightily in your life personally and in the life of the city. No longer do we say we can't. Today we say we can by His grace. It's just more than sufficient for us. And so I began to study, okay, well, all right, Lord, okay, I learned about Asherah poles. And then I said, what about the hearts of the pastors? And let me tell you what's interesting. I meet with a couple of them every week. They're sensing what I'm sensing. They're feeling what I'm feeling. And they're seeing our people hurting. And I don't like to see people hurting. Amen? Do you like to hurt? And, and so this message then was birthed out of this word. I want to bring my wife up. She's got a second part. Because there's a second part to this that, okay, we've established the problem, but Lord, what's the solution? Obviously, it's the Lord, but we have a part to play. He wants to use us to help usher in change for the kingdom, not to build life church, but to build his kingdom. My wife's got her word. Um, while Ryan was shopping at Walmart, I was just home doing some work in the kitchen, and I was kind of wondering what was taking him so long at Walmart. And, um, but as I, was, as I was just going about my work, as Ryan said too, just certain words and phrases from the Lord just kept coming to me and kept coming to me. And I had a hard time focusing on my work and I took a notebook out from the desk we have in our kitchen and I just started jotting some of them down. And um, I was thinking, um, Pastor Ryan had asked me to preach on Mother's Day and I was thinking, wow, God, you're really getting ahead of the curve here, and this doesn't have a whole lot to do with the Mother's Day sermon, but, you know, I'm going to write it down, and I was hoping that that would kind of help me just release it so I could focus on the tasks that I had to do. And um, when he came home that night, and when he spoke that word out into his phone, uh, he looked up at me, and he was just kind of like, whoa. And I said, wow, Ryan, you know, God had been speaking a lot of those same things to me today, a lot of the same phrases I've got jotted down in a notebook in the kitchen. And he said, you know, I don't, I don't think that's it. I think there's more. And um, I said, well, honey, you just, you just keep listening, and I believe that's going to come, you know. And uh, I didn't think it was going to come through me, but that next day it did. The Lord just gave me a word, and it was just pouring forth. So I'm going to go ahead and read that to you. It says, Arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord has come upon you. It is time to shake off the shackles, for they no longer hold you. They have not held you since I died for you on the cross, but you lacked the courage and faith to shake them off. The time is now. You are becoming my beautiful, radiant bride. You are entering a purification process. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. 
Now is the time for wholehearted seeking. For such a time as this, Esther risked everything, her own life. My people are now at that point. The hypocrisy is gone. No longer do they resemble the man who proclaimed his good deeds for everyone to hear, while his heart was ugly to me. No, no, says the Lord, my people, my beloved church, are now like the man who earnestly cried out, Forgive me, Father, for I am a sinner. Have mercy on me. This is the soft clay with which I will work. I will form you into something beautiful for my pleasure. You are my beloved church, my beloved bride, and our wedding is on the horizon. And what really stood out to me was the part where the Lord said the church is like the man who cried out earnestly, forgive me, Father, for I am a sinner. Have mercy on me. And what he's been stirring in me is that the judgment and that the hypocrisy is leaving. It is gone because we're to the point now where we can say, Jesus, more than anything, I want the freedom that you died on the cross to give me. So much do I want to know you intimately that I will say, here are my sins. Here are my weaknesses. I'm not going to deny them anymore. I'm not going to run from them. And I care more about you than what the person in the seat next to me thinks. And that is an awesome place to be. And I know that that's where I'm at right now. And I know that God can do mighty things through people with a heart like that. And that was um, Saturday afternoon. And then Saturday evening, one more word came to me. And this one is much shorter. And this one is specifically for the people in Wisconsin. And it says, I have seen your hard work, your diligence, and now is the time to apply these principles to my word. And you will arise and you will be my beacon of light to the rest of this nation and world. And you know, Wisconsinites, we are hard workers. We're diligent, hard workers. That's a characteristic of the people of this state. And the Lord has said, I have seen that. And he's calling us doers of the word. And that is going to cause the light to shine. He is calling us doers of the word. But there has been a mindset in this state that people can only hear, that you can only hear the voice of the Lord through your spiritual leader. And that is wrong. You will hear God speak to you through Pastor Ryan because he is your spiritual leader. And you will hear things from God that you otherwise would not have heard because God does move through authority. But you see, Jesus died on the cross to have a personal relationship with you. And he will speak to you directly, right. often through his word. But it's a personal relationship. That's why he died for you. And as the people of this state embrace that truth, the light will shine brighter and brighter as that revelation comes to them. And um, next week, next Sunday at 9.15, I'm going to be starting um, intercessory prayer from 9.15 to 10. And we're going to meet in the office, but I'm believing that that space is going to be too small for us. And if we need to set up chairs in the kitchen, we'll do it. Praise God. So I just pray that if God is at all nudging your heart to be a part of this, or if you're not sure, I just challenge you to pray and ask him. 
but it's not going to be anything weird or intimidating. We're just going to come together as believers, and we're just going to agree for the move of God on this city and on this state. And, um, you know, there's power in agreement. So um, pray about that. 9.15, we're going to meet in the office next week. Thanks, hon. Thank you, hon. The, uh, the purpose of this whole series is, is it's not about a building. It is about a cause. Causes change things. Buildings don't change things. Causes change things. And a God-given cause is what changes things. And as I read the Bible, Moses had a cause. Let my people go, he told Pharaoh. As I look at Gideon with 300 men against a vast army of 100,000, some Bible scholars say, you know, these things, they're not just neat stories. Do you realize that you have a role in this story? I see some heads shaking, some like, "Uh, I don't know if I buy that. But the reality is, this is a story that Jesus died to give us, and you have a part to play in the eternal story of Jesus Christ because he loves you. Do you hear that? I think some of you have bought a lie that you don't feel very lovable. This was different than the first service. In fact, I know that's true. There are some of you in here right now that I even say the word love, it makes your hair curl. Now, I'm losing some of mine, but I I tell you, I understand hair curling. It's not fun. But what I will tell you is, is that causal-driven people affect change, but a God-given cause can change the world. Look what Jesus did with 12 men. And so that message, that message should resonate in our hearts, in our lives. And if it's not, we need to ask the question, why? Then what are we building? God's kingdom or our own kingdom? I've lived long enough. I'm 30, almost 39. I've built my kingdoms before. I will tell you that they do crash. And there's no amount of money that you can stuff, no matter amount of booze you can drink, no matter how many girls you can have, that will change that, that will fill that thing. The only thing that will fill it is Jesus. I'm preaching kind of tough here. I didn't mean to. No, I did mean to. I did mean to because that's what the Lord told me to do. But my point is about causes. Causes change things. So let's talk about Nehemiah. And I I want to go to the word, Nehemiah chapter 2. If you turn in your Bibles, we'll also put it up on the screen. But we talk about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer in Persia. He was before the Persian king. His job was to taste the wine. If the wine was poisoned, he croaked. Now we know that Nehemiah didn't croak because he, you know, was in Nehemiah and he has a story. So uh, he's standing before the king, but he's getting news. Let me set the backstory. He's also very disturbed about his homeland, Jerusalem, where the walls have been shattered. God's people have been uh, dominated They're in captivity. The walls are in ruins. He hears about it. So for four months, he's stewing on this. It's just eating him up inside. Let me ask you something. What are you stewing about? What's eating you up inside? What are you seeing outside of you that turns your crank? Because if it ain't cranking, Houston, we have a problem. You guys are really quiet. But understand that something... Has God, God put something in you to affect change. We didn't come here to sit and just listen to great preaching. We didn't come here to sit and listen to great worship, great preaching. We didn't come here to sit and listen to, to, to great worship. We came here because we want to worship the King of Kings on Sundays, but we want to live it out the other days. And we need the power of God to do that. So Nehemiah is a cause-driven guy. He's burdened. And let's start in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. 
Now, I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, why is your face sad since you're not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. Now, understand in that culture, if you had a sad countenance before the king, you could be beheaded. So uh, the, the, the point was, is that, you know, let's not be too, uh, let's not before the king get too, you know, uh, sad or up. Let's, you know, let's make sure we're even keel. And so verse, uh, the, the following verse, he says, said to the king, may the king live forever. It's a nice little kind of lube him up there. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? This is huge. This is when expectation and preparation collide. He's had four months to stew on it. If he just sat there stewing on it, would he be prepared? No. He had to start thinking about it and writing a vision. Now, it says in the very next verse, it says, what do you request? And it says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, what I think is interesting in that little verse there is that, so he's before the king. Can you imagine you before your boss, before your key decision maker in your life, you stand before them and you're saying all these things and he says, what's your request? And you start going, oh, Jesus, oh, help me, help me, Jesus. I mean, it probably was a quick little under the breath micro prayer. The real praying had been done long before. Are you getting the picture here? He probably laid the foundation well before that. Okay, and then verse 5, it says, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Now, Nehemiah's request wasn't about him. It was about something outside of him, something larger than himself. And, and so he goes to Jerusalem. He's already been making notes. He surveys the land. He's talking to the people. And this is something that I'm going to challenge each and every one of you. Get engaged in your community. Find out where the walls are broken in Green Bay in northeast Wisconsin. Can I get an amen? Find out where that wall needs to be. You know what's interesting about the wall builders, and we'll talk about this a little more next week. They accomplished that wall building in 52 days. I would love for Life Church to be built in 52 days. But 52 days, they accomplished that. And a lot of the times, it was double shifts, meager rations, and the leader himself, Nehemiah, on the wall and sometimes armed while the enemy's coming after him. And they don't have time to complain about their issues. They've got a wall to build. It's amazing what happens when we become causal driven, how those little minuscule problems tend to go away. Fight a war and ask a soldier if they're worried about what's on the next MacGyver. Some of you don't even know who MacGyver is. So, <laughs> but my point is, is that, okay, some of those, when we're focused and we're dialed into doing what God wants us to do, and we're outside of ourselves. Do you understand this over and over and over in the Bible? It says this over and over that if you build my house, take care of my kingdom first, what does God say he will do every time? Take care of you. So we don't have to build our own kingdoms. We can build his. And it says here in verse it says here in verse uh, 6, it says, Then the king said to me, How long will your journey be? When will you return? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. So again, he goes, he surveys, he's planned, he's prepared, and now he's ready to do what he needs to do to build the wall. Then in verse 18, we skip down, and he says, I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. So he's acknowledging that God's favor is on him. And also of the king's words that he had spoken to me, so they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. 
But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? Can I be completely transparent? I'm going to, so I guess I don't need your permission on that. Um, I did not initially want to release that prophetic word. You know why? Because I thought, well, some people may think I'm a little fruit loopy. Some people may think they may laugh at me. But do you understand that I have to get outside my flesh sometimes and do things what God says to do even though it's not fun? Your flesh is kind of like, eh. But, you know, there was something in me when, especially even in the first service when I'm reading this and I'm reading this out there, something happens when you release, when you release it, now it's out there. Now you can catch that vision. Now you can go build that wall. Now it's in you. Now you can live that. Are you getting this? And so now it's out there. So now it's organic. Now God can do something in us. And, and so if I just harbor it and stuff it in here, the only person it blessed was me. We need to release what God is doing in us out to the people. Where can you build a wall? What wall can you build in Green Bay and in Northeast Wisconsin? But, you know, as we read in Sambalot here, they laughed at us. They despised us. You're going to have voice vultures. You're going to have voice vultures that come at you and tell you that you're not going to make it. You're going to have voice vultures that come at you and laugh at what you're doing. If you take a stand for God, if you do anything to repair a wall, people will make fun of you. Get over it. Hello? You know, doesn't matter what age you are. I used to think in high school, man, if I would, if, if I, uh, if, you know, when I get out of high school and I get into college and, you know, maybe I make a little money and, and maybe people will like me then because, you know what, in high school, quite frankly, I get picked on quite a bit, you know. I walked on my toes. I still do, but now it doesn't bother me. I'm free of it. See, you're watching now. You're watching to see if I walk on my toes. Do you know how much that devastated me in high school? See, I'm trying to intentionally walk like this. But I mean, word curses. I mean, whatever. You know, the point is, is that God has insulated us. He's given his blood. He's given his grace for us to be able to stand against the stuff that the enemy throws at us. And I promise you, he will use voice vultures. And it doesn't matter who it is. It can be anybody. My wife and I uh, talked a couple weeks ago. We talked about um, even, even me and my wife in a conversation can be the mouthpiece of the enemy. Do you understand this? When you're fighting and escalating, I know none of you do, we can be a mouthpiece of the enemy. So, but discouragement, no, you can't do it. Well, yes, you can. And I'll tell you, when you're on the wall for God, he's on the wall for you. Let's get on the wall and let's build them. Build this city. So I answered them, verse 20, and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. And so what he's saying to these Sanballats of this world is, if you're not in the game, you won't eat the good of the land. So let's get in the game. Amen? This is a huge thing because uh, Green Bay, we're more than... Let me just tell you, this is a newsflash. We are more than just the Green Bay Packers. I love the Packers. But we are more than that. And I believe, if you'll agree with me on this, that that prophetic word, it's not that I'm anything special. I'm not. The word isn't special. It's Jesus. 
and his grace and what releases what he's released through that and what we do with that that affects the change. I'm just the mouthpiece. Now it's up to us to be agents of change. Amen. So let's do that. And let's ask him for purpose and cause in each of our daily lives. Men, if you're great at making money, great. Make money unto the Lord. If you're an athlete, be an athlete unto the Lord. If you're a great husband or a great wife, be a great husband or wife unto the Lord. In everything you do, do it unto the Lord. And when we do that, when we begin to start living out what God wants us to do, that's when we affect change in the city. Father, I'm going to ask right now that with heads bowed and eyes closed, I've given you your word today. And I know that it's penetrating some people today. I know that it's causing some kerfuffle inside their heart right now. Some of, some of you have been resisting the plan of God because you have Sanballat's and Tobias telling you you can't. Some of you are, 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 are talking yourself out of the miracle when God wants to do something incredible out of fear. There's an intimidating spirit. Lord, I break that intimidating spirit over this place. I ask you, God, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, that your son be exalted in the heart of every single person in this room. I'm asking, Lord, for lordship. I'm asking for lordship for the people here. I know it's not easy, Lord, but you said that your word was sufficient, your grace was sufficient for us, and that we can live the life that you've called us to live. I'm asking right now in Jesus' name, Lord, that if you're dealing with some people, they don't know if they're right with you and they want to be. And, and right now, what I want to do, I want with heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're not sure, if you're in right standing, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're, you, you, you know you're not right with him, you, you're not even sure if you were to die today, if you would go to heaven or 50 years from now, you're just not sure, don't be ashamed, just raise your hand and let's get right with God. Would you do that for me now? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Anyone in this room, I want to give opportunity. Thank you very much. Thank you, a couple of them. Thank you. Very, very important. And then here's the second thing I want to do. I want some of you, I want some of you right now who are hurting and you are, you are feeling the effect of this city in your heart. You're, you're beginning to, there's a stirring in there. There's a, there's a feeling in there that, you know what? I've had my chances, but I haven't engaged. I've walked away from it. I've walked away from that challenge. I want you with heads bowed, eyes closed. Only God knows what your particular thing is that he's dealing with you on. But if you've walked away from those opportunities, it's been on you, you've known it, you've seen it, and you've walked away from it, please raise your hand right now. A lot of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Lord, I want to do this next. I want to pray this prayer and just repeat after me. Father in heaven, thank you for your presence here right now. Holy Spirit, come, flood me with your grace. Lord, I love you. I'm not perfect. And that's why I need your grace. Lord, birth in me a cause. Something for the kingdom. Something for your glory. That you give to no one. Help me, Lord. Build your kingdom. Not my kingdom transform my heart and help me 
to rise and build. In Jesus' name, amen. The last part of our series, uh, the last part, the next part of our series, I should say, is this was a rise and build our purpose. Next week is a rise and build our priorities. And a lot of you may have, you know, thoughts of, okay, well, how do I prioritize my time? You know, that really preaches good, Ryan, but in the daily rubber meets the road reality of my world, how does that play out? I want to encourage you to come next week. I want to encourage you to bring a friend. You know, uh, and this is not being mean or anything, but, you know, my vision is to see a lot of hands, a lot of all these seats filled and a lot of hands raising for Jesus. Do you understand? Now, this isn't guilt trip. Don't receive any condemnation. Guys, they need Jesus. We have a lost and hurting world out there. And I think the hardest part for me in inviting people over the years before I was ever a pastor is, is that I would say, I'd hear a pastor challenge me to do that. And then I'd, and I, you know, always go back to my default, which is, well, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. And by golly, no one will like me. But what I realized is, is that with Jesus, you are more than enough. You do have everything that it takes and he will use you. If he spoke through a donkey, he will use you. And he's, he's done it with me. I mean, 15 years ago, I didn't think an ex-drunk would be up here preaching, and I am. So God can do things. He can do cool things. So just be open to that. Amen? All right. So that's that. Uh, we'll have more details about the building as it unfolds. Uh, you got just kind of a, a, a taste of it. Um, my hope, and this is... This could be over. No, no, this is, this is underselling. I think six months. I think September we could be in that building. You know, um, that's on the conservative side. On the other side, the high side, it could be sooner. So I don't want to put a, t- a total date. But it's going to be cool because, you know, it's been a journey for some of you who've been here with us from, from day one. You've seen some of our cataclysmic mistakes. You've seen some of our greatest joys. Um, but we're excited you're here. And we just encourage you to join us on the journey. Amen. God bless. Have a great week.